Good evening. Good, good. Hey, you guys realize this is not Good Friday. We're not remembering Jesus' death. This is his birth, so you guys can, yeah. Yeah, yeah glad you guys are excited, too. This is, uh, <laughs> this is one of our best services that we do the entire year, not because of anything that we resent, but the fact that you guys show up early to an 11 p.m. service. And so just to let you know, we're never starting an 11 p.m. service. In fact, if I didn't set a couple alarms, they were going to be looking for me. And you guys would have just sang and sang and said, oh, wow, what a great singing service. <laughs> Ricardo didn't even get up and speak for a long time, but <laughs> I will. So that's good. Hey, you guys, normally what we do is hand out Bibles, but we're not going to do that tonight. If you do need a Bible and you don't own a Bible, please uh, go ahead and take one off the shelf on your way back. We have one verse tonight, and I almost came up here without my Bible, but just because of, I don't know, maybe religious reasons, I figured I couldn't be a preacher and not hold the Bible. So I brought the littlest Bible that I had in my house um, so that we can look at this one verse today. And so I've been given the task to tell the whole world, right, not the whole world, but the 500 of you guys who are here, um, the whole story, right, and one verse, and they've given me 25 minutes, which is significantly shorter than what I normally do on Sunday, so what that means for me is when you tell me you get 25 minutes, that's, that's 35 minutes, and so I got 35 minutes to be able to tell this story. Uh, if this is your first time here, my name is Ricardo, I'm one of the pastors here, uh, glad you can be with us tonight uh, as we look at this verse and as we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we are excited about that, it is something that we do uh, celebrate, it is something that we do worship as a people, and so we're going to uh, look at that, and so I'm going to read the verse again, though you guys just heard Aaron beautifully sing it, uh, way better than I could ever read it, but I have to read it because I realize today that I don't have it me memorized in, this, in the text or the translation that we have. And, and most of you are thinking, John, really? You're a pastor? <laughs> you don't have John 3.16 memorized? It's because it's such a familiar verse that I think I have it memorized only in the King James Version, <laughs> which I never read as a Christian. And so the only one that I have is a begotten son, and that's not what we have here in John 3.16 in the English Standard Version. So let me read it again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Whether you've grown up in church or whether you've ever been to a church service, whether you love Jesus or you're not really sure where you stand with Jesus, you've heard this verse before. No matter what translation you've probably heard it in, you've heard this verse. In fact, you, if you've watched a football game before, right, you've seen someone holding John 3.16. Usually someone's kicking a field goal, and as the camera shows the field goal going in, there's some guy up there holding a sign that says, John 3.16, like, who cares about your team? Worship Jesus. And you're like, no, wide left, wide left, right? <laughs> At that moment, you're not really thinking about that. But it's a verse that, that we've heard before and you've, you've heard. And, and some of you may have heard it um, Years ago, maybe in a church camp or a youth group, I remember a friend of mine in, in junior high school invited me to go to her church. That's how it usually works. A friend of yours of the opposite sex invites you somewhere and you go, yeah, love Jesus. <laughs> and so I showed up to this church service and I remember this guy uh, was talking about this, John 3.16, and he said it over and over again. And then he pulled out a, a, um, a guitar and began singing this song. And I will always remember this song with this verse and this, this youth pastor guy uh, singing this song. And it was, um, oh, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, right? Yeah. Some of you guys are excited. Some of you are laughing. And some of you are going, what is that song? Trust me. You don't need to know. 
Um, <laughs> and so there, there's just things that we have that come to this, this verse. But what I do know is you can hear this verse, you could know this verse, and not really understand the weight. Really understand the redeeming power and love that God has for this world. For this world. That, that sometimes it can become so familiar that we're, we're, we're so used to it that we don't stop and get a little bit closer to see if it's really the real thing. Because, you know, the closer you get to things, you go, oh, that's really it or that's not it. Example of that would be this morning, uh, we do Christmas presents for our kids on Christmas Eve, and, and we got them some slippers for their, for their uh, stockings, and, and we, they were too small, so we took them to Target. And so me and the boys were still in the car, and my wife ran into Target to, to exchange them, and then she came out, and then she's walking down the sidewalk, and so I'm pulling up, and the boys are screaming, literally, Mom, Mom, like, why is she walking? So I pull a little closer, and I roll down the window, and I realize it wasn't my wife. <laughs> And so this lady kind of looked at me, and I'm like, Merry Christmas. <laughs> my guess is you probably don't want to get in this car and be the wife of, my, of me and the mother of my kids because you're not my wife, right? And so my wife comes out, and she goes, what was that? I'm like, that, this lady looked just like you. And she goes, what did she look like? And I'm like, you, all right? <laughs> well, the closer we got, we realized it, 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 it wasn't her. And I think the closer you get to this text, though, you begin to realize this really is the real thing. Like, Jesus really is the real deal. Like, like, the love of God is real. It's not just some abstract thing that Christians talk about. It's not just some abstract thing that you hear about in movies or on cards. But this, this love is tangible. This love put on flesh. This, this love was born into this world for the purpose to die in order that we may have life in him. And so if there was a verse to pick to tell the story of the world, this would be a perfect verse to talk about the gospel, the good news of Christ Jesus. And so that's what we'll, we'll look at tonight. And there's three things about this verse that I believe that, that we would uh, look at would be um, serve well to look at. One is to understand the comprehensive love of God and then in the expressive love of God and the redeeming love of God. The comprehensive love of God, the expressive love of God, and the redeeming love of God. First, we'll look at the comprehensive love of God. The very beginning, Jesus now, giving the context of this, is Jesus is talking to a man by the name of Nicodemus. Nicodemus is an old man. He's older in age. Uh, Nicodemus has looked at the scripture. He knew the text. He knew what God had required of his people. And he still had the question to Jesus, will I see the kingdom? How will I see the kingdom? Meaning there's a way in which you can look at God's word and you can understand all the imperatives, do what God's called you to do, and still miss Jesus. There's a way that your actions and your behaviors can look like what the Bible calls you to look like and still miss Jesus. And so Jesus answers him. He says, Jesus speaking spiritually, but, but Nicodemus doesn't understand that. Jesus goes, well, you must be born again. And Nicodemus thinks he's talking literally. He goes, well, that, that you mean like, go go into my mother and come back out again? Like, I don't think she'd like that, right? He's just kind of thinking, like, I'm not really sure. And Jesus goes, no, it's, no, no, no. You don't understand how the spirit works. 
And then he begins to reach back into the story of Israel, a story that Nicodemus would have known well. And he says there was a moment um, that he could recall that when the people of God had sinned against God and they were sick, that what he called Moses to do was make this, this serpent out of bronze and put it in the air. And God said, whoever looks to this serpent in faith, whoever looks to this, I will heal. And they were healed. And he goes, in the same way, Jesus saying, I'm going to be lifted up. And anybody who would look upon me in faith, that they would be healed, they would be saved, they would have life. And then Jesus goes into this verse, and he says, for God so loved the world. That's a comprehensive love. It is, it is saying that God loves all people. That there is a love of God for every single person, whether they trust in Jesus or not. And some, sometimes we think that God is like us, like, like God only loves the people who loves him, right? That God is waiting, like, I'm going to love you if you love me, and once you love me, now I'll give you my love, and that's how this relationship works. But the Bible tells us he loves the world. And so often people are saying, well, what does he mean by world in John 3, 16? What, is, what does he mean by world? I think he means the world, Right? Every single person, right? We sang the song red and yellow, black and white. Can you imagine if it, like, if it wasn't all the children, right? If we sang that song, it would sound a little different, like red and yellow, black and some whites, right? <laughs> Jesus loves some of the little. <laughs> I knew you guys would get a kick out of that. <sighs> Considering. <laughs> <laughs> It's this comprehensive love. It's a comprehensive love that God has. And here's part of the reason. Most of us, we think when we relate to God, sometimes we relate to God only as creator. And if he's only creator, that means he has to create something in order to have his role. Even more so, some of us relate to God as judge or ruler. Meaning what we've done is we've sinned against him, and so somehow what salvation becomes is God just forgiving us of doing wrong things, but it's not deeply relational. But first and foremost, what God is, is he's a father. And by being a father, he loves. And I mean his holiness, his justice, him being a ruler, him being a judge. All of those things, they flow out of his love. His creation and how he creates, it flows from his love, meaning he's always had a son. He's always been the father, and he's always loved. He always, always had this love, and so everything God creates, he loves Every single child that he forms in his mother's womb, he loves. Whether that child grows up in rebellion against him and never trusted him, God loves him. He so loves the world. And, and many of you in this room, you, you don't have children, and so you haven't had that incredible experience of loving a child immediately. In fact, children are the easiest people to love immediately. Let me phrase that. Your children are the easiest <laughs> Your children are the easiest people to love immediately. When, when my wife gave birth to our first child, I had no idea how your heart can just get ripped out immediately, right, when you have a child. And even though, like, as soon as this little thing came out of my wife, right, I don't know if you've ever seen a newborn baby. They're not babies. They don't even look like babies, right? So this lizard came out, and I'm like... <laughs> It's a purple lizard. I thought I was having a boy, but you know what? I love it, right? I love you. There's this sense where immediately you love. And so we have a God who's a father, who loves passionately, and who loves intimately, and who loves always. And there's this comprehensive love that he loves the world, that every single thing that God does, it flows from his love. 
It's a comprehensive love for every single person. But not only does this verse let us know that we have a, a God who's a father who loves, but it shows us not just the comprehensive love of God, but even the expressive love of God. That when it comes to love, you have to show love. You have to express love. And you guys have heard this before. You just can't tell people, I love you, and don't, don't show anything, right? And so God doesn't just say, I love you, I love you, I love you, but never does anything. He shows the supreme act of love as it says that he so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That he put forth Jesus, the one on whom he's loved for all eternity past. This, this affectionate love that the Father has had for the Son. He says, I will show the world my love. I will express this love by putting forth Jesus as a sacrifice, as an offering for every single man and every single woman and every single child who has rebelled against him, who would place their faith in Jesus. That this life and love of God, that we can share into this love in Jesus. And so it's an expressive love. And, and hear me. This is God working and loving proactively, not reactively. The way we love is very reactive. We, 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 we do something, and we try to make amends for it and, and show love after we've done something. Or we wait for someone to show interest in us, and then we will show love. Um, the way, way it usually works is a husband does something wrong, and then he, then he comes back to his wife and goes, you know, baby, I was wrong. <laughs> I got these chocolates, right? There's usually this reactive love, but Jesus coming to die for the sins of his people was not something that was reactive. When you read through the pages of the Bible, what you see is that God the Father, before he created this world, knew that we would sin against him, knew that there would be rebellion and brokenness. And before the foundation of this world, he knew that Christ would come to be the atonement of his people. It was always his plan because he loved us that much that he wanted to continue to love us. And this was something that was uh, a partnership, right? This wasn't just God the Father saying, Jesus, I need you to do something. This is the Father, the Son, and the Spirit who have always existed together in this community of love. It says we want to, even in spite of sin, show forth our love. And so Jesus willingly, for the love of his Father and for the love of us, gave himself. The Father so loved that he gave his Son, but the Son so loved that he gave himself. It's the expressive love of God. This wasn't some, something that the father went to Jesus and said, Jesus, what are you doing today? I'm kind of busy. Can you go into the world and, and just for 33 years and, and die for a group of people and kind of come back? Like, no. This was God's plan that, to place Jesus forward. And so when people ask, I'm not really sure if God loves me. You, you want to know if God loves you? Don't, don't look how much money you have. Don't, don't look at all the pain that's happened in your life. Don't, don't look at all the suffering. Don't look at your successes or your failures. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Because here's what I know. Every single one of us in this room, whether we're Christians or not, we have questions for God. We have questions. We have, we have thoughts. We have things that we want to know why. And here's the deal. God doesn't always answer our questions. He doesn't promise to answer every single question, but he does promise and has given us himself. And the love that he gives for you is the same love that he's had for his son. God doesn't play favorites. Meaning, in eternity past, the father was loving the son, constantly loving the son. And when Jesus is sent into this world, 
When the Father gave the Son, he wasn't just giving part of his love. He was revealing what the love of the Father was like. And he was inviting every single man and every single child and every single woman who would trust in him to live into that love. The same exact love that Jesus has experienced with the Father for eternity. God so loved the world that he gave Jesus that we may have that love. That Jesus would be broken for our sins. That Jesus would raise from the dead and he would ascend to the Father. His righteousness would be given to us that we may be welcomed into this holy trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit of love. And if you ever want to know, does God love me, just read the scripture, look to the cross, and see the reason the baby put on flesh was that he would grow up and die for you. That you may have life in Jesus. And the, the, there's, there's one story that I have that is my favorite story to communicate this. And the story was t- uh, told by a man by the name of Brian Chappelle. And, and he tells a story of two young boys in his, in his hometown in Michigan. And, and there's a river that kind of runs through this town. And what happens is what the people would do is they push the dirt back to the sides of it um, in order for the river to flow. Now, what would happen is when the water would rise too far is that the water would go into these kind of mountainous cavernous, um, but making them really hard. But the danger was that kids could run on these things, and if doing so, that they could fall down at the top um, and, then, and then find themselves stuck. Well, there was two young brothers in their hometown. And these two young brothers, they went out running around. These two young brothers found these mountainous cavernous things, and they, they ran on top of them, and then they found themselves falling in. They're stuck. Now, when the two brothers did not come home, their parents began to put together a search team for them. And they went out throughout the city looking for these two boys. And finally, they found the young brother. And when they found him, dirt was stacked up to his neck and he was unconscious. And so they began to dig and dig and dig. And when they got to about his waist, the, the young brother woke up and they looked at him and they said, Where is your older brother? Where is he at? And he looked at him and says, I'm standing on his shoulders. Look, I'm standing on his shoulders. And so you see, at some point, at some point, the older brother had to make a decision that he was going to give his life in order that the younger brother would have life. At some point in this process, the older brother decided to give his own life so that the innocent, lovable, young brother would have life. And that's a pretty compelling story. And as compelling as that story is, it is insufficient in communicating my point. Because what the Bible tells about us is because of our sin and because of our brokenness, We are not naturally lovable, innocent young brothers. So when we begin to see the love of Christ, that God so loved this world and expressed his love in giving Jesus, that what Jesus did for us even exceeds that story. And so those of us who are in Christ, we are at the essence people who understand whose shoulders it is that we are standing on. That we know that God loves us, not because of our circumstance, not because of how much money we have or how much money we don't have, not because of the things that have, been, that, have had, that have happened to us, the ways that we've been wrong, because what has happened to Jesus on our behalf because of the Father's love, because of the Son's love, and because of the Spirit's love, that we may have life. Amen?
It's the comprehensive love of God and this expressive love of God of giving us Jesus Christ, the shoulders in whom we stand on and whom we have life, that we can see this love of God by looking to Jesus who is our substitute, who is our righteousness, who is our redemption, that Christ came into this world to redeem the world through his death and through his resurrection. It's the reason why we say it's joy to this world because there's no other way unless God himself would enter into the mess in which we've created in order to redeem it, to restore it, and to put it the way that he desires, and he does so in Christ Jesus. The last thing we have is not only his expressive love, but also his redeeming love. If you look at the last part here in John 3.16, um, it says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. What, what I love about this is um, I never struggled with is God a loving God. In fact, some of you have probably never struggled with at least the concept of a, having a loving God. But it's really hard sometimes to think, okay, how do I get to know this God? And especially when you begin to look at your life, right? Because what we think is, okay, God wants perfection, and then I'm not perfect. Right? Maybe I've tried, and I've tried, and i tried, but I just can't get up that particular ladder. The, the way I think about it is, is, um, is in elementary school, they had like the perfect attendance award, and then, like a couple of my friends would get this perfect attendance, and every year I'm like, this is the year, I'm gonna get it this year. And then like the first week of school, I, I'd miss a day or something like that, and it's like, all right, next year, right? Next year's the year. And I finally went through my entire school and realized I've never had perfect attendance. And so after you've already missed that day, you're not going for it anymore. In fact, what you start doing is making fun of the kids. Oh, did you, did you go to school again? Uh, too bad for you. <laughs> I was at home watching all the ins car insurance commercials, right, in the middle of the day. And so there, there's, there's this sense where sometimes when we think about God, we begin to realize we're not perfect, and we're not going to get there. And so we throw our hands up. But what I love about this verse is it says, it doesn't say perfect people. It doesn't say rich people. It doesn't say people who were raised in the right family or people who were raised in a Christian family. It says whoever, <laughs> like whoever. Like whoever, and whoever, again, just means whoever. Whoever would look to Jesus, whoever would trust in Jesus Christ, whoever would stand upon his shoulders, who would acknowledge that the only way that I can have life is in him. The only way that I can be forgiven of my sins and not perish is in him. The only way that I will never have to ex experience utter darkness and separation from the holiness and perfection and love of God is in him. Whoever, like whoever, not, not the people who have already gotten their act together. Like so often as people, we think if I get my act together, then I will come to Christ. And you'll never come. There's a hymn about that. If you wait, if you tarry, you'll never come at all. Jesus Christ is not get it together and then come to me. He said, come to me and I'll get it together. Come to me, I'll work it out. Come to me, I'll restore it. Come to me, and I'll redeem it. He says, whoever would have faith in him shall not perish but have eternal Life, eternal life. And eternal life is not so much about duration as it is about equality. It's understanding that you are creating the image of God and that image has been broken by sin. And what Christ comes to do through the work of Christ and by the work of the Spirit is begin to restore that image that you were most human, that you were most to be the man or woman who God has created you to be. That eternal life doesn't just begin when you die and go to heaven. 
Eternal life doesn't begin when Christ comes to redeem this world. Eternal life begins when you look upon the Son. Eternal life begins when you look upon Jesus Christ. And that that life, his life, begins to remake and form Christ in you. That you become a part of the family of God. That you have God as your father. And his life and his love is in you. And it says, whoever would believe in him will have eternal life. Now, in a Christmas Eve service, and most Sundays anyway, there's kind of four buckets of people who kind of are here. There's there's, um, some of you, many of you, who just love Jesus. Like you hear this and you go, yes, that's me. I've looked upon him. I'm not perfect. I'm confessing my sin. He's forgiven me. I'm a work in progress. This is great. The curtains <laughs> have not closed on this story yet. I love him. He's still working in my life. And then there's some of you who are kind of in and kind of out. Maybe at one moment there was a time in your life where you felt like you were really in. That, may, that maybe these verses, they just warmed your heart. And maybe, maybe, maybe it was when you were younger, maybe it was a year ago, maybe it months ago, but you just find yourself kind of just being, just being um, tossed along by the currents of life, and you've had good intentions, but for whatever reason, when it comes to a life in Christ, that has not been it, and you find yourself kind of going, I'm not really sure where I'm at now. And then there's a third bucket of people who have gone, I, I don't, I've, I've never heard that. <laughs> I've, I've never heard it like that. I've never known that God has loved me that much in Christ. I thought God was trying to get me to get on his team. I never knew that he was loving me into his family. Those are two different things. I, I, I've never heard that. I want to know more. And then there's some of you who are going, heard it. I don't, I don't like it. And, and we're somewhere around there. And my, my only thing to you is, no matter where you are, is to consider the good news. Consider the love. Consider the invitation from God, not from some guy up here preaching. Consider the invitation of God to say, I love you, and I've sent my son Jesus, that ye may be wrapped up into the same love in which I have for him. Just consider that love. Some of us, we say amen. Some of us, we say I'm coming back. Some of us, we say I may pray and trust in Jesus for the first time. And others of you, keep asking questions and keep being around. Um, and what I want to do now is and just invite the band to, to come forward, um, and I'm going to read a poem, <laughs> not one that I wrote. <laughs> and it's by a man by the name of Adrian Pless, and, and essentially what this poem is about is about a dialogue between uh, God and a man uh, going back and forth about should he follow Jesus. And, and I'm going to read this poem. It's a beautiful poem, and, uh, and then David and the band will continue to lead us in a time of worship through song. And, um, and we'll go from there. Adrian Pless, it's called When I Became a Christian. It says, when I became a Christian, I said, Lord, now fill me in. Tell me what I will suffer in this world of shame and sin. He said, your body may be killed and left to rot and stink. Do you still want to follow me? And I said, amen, I think. I think amen, amen, I think. I think I'll say amen. I'm not completely sure. Can you just run through that again? You said that my body may be killed and left to rot and stink. Well, yes, that sounds terrific, Lord. I say amen, uh, I think. But, Lord, there must be other ways to follow you. I said, I really would love to prefer uh, end up dying in my bed. Well, yes, he said, you could put up with sneers and scorn and spit. Do you still want to follow me? And I said, amen, a bit. A bit, amen, a bit, amen, a bit. I say amen. I'm not entirely sure. Can we just run through that again? 
You say that I could put up with sneers and scorn and spit. Well, yes, I've made up my mind. I say amen a bit. Well, I sat back and I thought a while. And then I tried a different ploy. Now, Lord, the good book says that Christians live in joy. That's true, he said. You'll need the joy to bear the pain and sorrow. Do you still want to follow me? And I said, amen. Uh, Tomorrow. (laughs) Tomorrow, Lord. That's when I'll say it then. That's when I'll say amen. I need to get this clear. Can we just run through that again? You say that I'll need the joy to bear the pain and sorrow. Well, yes, I think I've got it straight. I'll say amen tomorrow. He said, look, I'm not asking you to spend an hour with me, a quick salvation sandwich and a cup of sanctity. The cost is you, not half of you, but every single bit. Now tell me, will you follow me? And I said, amen. No, I quit. I'm very sorry, Lord. I said, I'd like to follow you, but I don't think that religion is a manly thing to do. And he said, forget religion then and think about my son and tell me if you're man enough to do what he has done. Are you man enough to see the need? And are you man enough to go? Are you man enough to care for those who no one wants to know? Are you man enough to say the things that people hate to hear, to battle through Gethsemane and loneliness and fear? And listen, are you man enough to stand it to the end, the moment of betrayal by the kisses of a friend? Are you man enough to hold your tongue? Are you man enough to cry? And when the nails break your body, are you man enough to die? Are you man enough to take a pain and wear it like a crown? Are you man enough to love the world and turn it upside down? Are you man enough to follow me? I'll ask you once again. And I said, oh, Lord, I'm frightened. But I also said, amen. Amen, 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 amen. I said, oh, Lord, I'm frightened. But I also said, amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the life and love that you've given us through the birth through the life, through the teaching, through the death and the resurrection and ascension of your son, Jesus. The true story of this world, Lord, is that you love us, you've expressed your love for us, and you've invited to be in that, us to be in that love for all eternity. And so, Lord, we celebrate this with you. God, I pray that your spirit would stir up our affections for Jesus, that we would indeed follow you, repent of our sins, and walk with you. Trust in the working of your Holy Spirit and and the people of your church to walk with us. God, that you would lead us, that you would guide us in your everlasting way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.